Welcome to In at the Side, a Dodger Sevens podcast. Good evening and welcome to the first episode of In at the Side, a new Dodger Sevens podcast. I'm Dom Hardman. I'm here today with Neil Williamson, our team manager, and our special guest for this evening, Lawrence McKenzie Muckbridge. Um, so, those of you who don't know, Neil, just give us a quick rundown on the Dodge Sevens for me. Yeah, a bit of background about the Dodgers. Uh, been formed a couple of years now. Um, you know, Dom uh, was one of the other people who set the team up. They're very social um, side, and we were originally called the uh, Salad Dodgers uh, as a result of uh, some of the side of the players that we've got um, or had playing. Um, we decided that the message that we're promoting, men's mental health, has really got legs, and decided that we wanted to make a you know a really big go of it. Um, start, you know, making awareness all over the country, and um, this is where we're at now. Really, we're just trying to trying to promote awareness of it. Yeah, so as a new member to the Dodgers Lounge, what's uh, your perspective on a newbie? Um, actually, um, quite good. I've been involved with a few teams over the last twenty years or so, twenty-five years. That's depressing to say. Um, and it's the first one I've actually been involved in where it's not about the drinking culture. It's not about who's done what the night before, it's about well, actually how are you doing that day. And it's rare to find a team that actually goes, firstly, how are you? But secondly, are you happy? And rather than take the mickey out of you or in a situation where you feel, you know what, I can't raise an issue, yeah. I'm automatically able to speak to 40 or 50 different people on this group and go, actually, what suggestions have you got? Or can someone just come for a cup of coffee? So the warmth and the welcome that the Dodgers has given me from last year to this has been absolutely amazing. Well, yeah. I can add there, I mean, Liam Thomas, one of our players, yeah, yeah. he's played for a lot of clubs, as, as a lot of us have. Um, but he made a comment last year that really stuck with me, and, and I think he's what the Dodgers is about, that he's played for many, many, many clubs, all through, you know, Gloucestershire, um, higher standard, that sort of thing. But he said he's never felt more part of a team than when he played for Dodgers. Yeah. You know, and that was the first tournament he came to. That was literally, we were all thrown together, and it's the Dodgers mentality. Dodger like, you know, we all just look out each other. It's great. It's good. Yeah. I think the addition of drive time this year as well. Big shout out to JK for that. That's yeah. been, yeah. I mean, that's a really nice feature of the group. Well, Explain drive you know, time, Dom. Obviously, you know, people, it's obvious to us. Yeah. 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 But people that are watching this might not know what drive time is. Yeah. So basically, so drive time is basically whenever a member of the team is going on a long journey, whether it be train, plane, or, you know, in the car, um, and they've got a few hours to kill, or, you know, they just put a message on the group. Anyone need a chat or check in, catch up, whatever, and then you're just there, they're there for a chat. You know, I've seen you do it. JK started it. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence, I think you've done one as well. Done, yeah, done a couple now. So you know, I think that's really taken off. So like I say, it's growing and it's growing. We've got some really good new sponsors on board now. Yeah, that's uh, helping our journey. Um, you know, and we're really looking forward to the next season ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, I, I, the taboo subject of mental health, the men's mental health in particular, it's not something that you can easily pick. It's not something that everyone wants to talk about. And some of us, 30s and 40s, our parents will tell us, no, our boys don't cry, don't talk about it, keep it together. You were born in the 30s? <laughs> Jesus, right, sorry. Well, you're looking well. You're looking I, well. Knew, I, knew that was, <laughs> I knew that was coming on now. I knew it. Um, but for some of the younger lads who are firstly listening to this, hello, good evening. Um, someone who's going to be playing for us and moving forward in the years, suddenly there is a space for mental health. And actually, the big boys don't cry, bravado thing. Actually, there is a space for it. And the Dodgers are doing something from someone who's more outside than in when it comes to the Dodgers at the moment, looking from outside in. It's making this, this safe space. Yeah. 
difficult. It's making somewhere that actually you don't have to go because words have hurt you, but you can go to sort of discuss life or doubts, fears, and everything else. But it's like a virtual clubhouse. Yes, I think you know the rugby is still a really important element to it. But yeah. I just think the community side, the community side that we're generating as like a almost like a side piece, is just I think it's going yeah. to be bigger well, than the, the, the rugby side. There. Yeah. yeah. And, and rugby banter will always be rugby banter. This is it. But it's yeah. tailoring it to not be nasty and malicious. Yes. You know, because there are a lot of clubs you go to, and I've played for clubs in the past, and you just, you're after the game. And even like Rossi warming up, the people got no time for each other. They're so quick to get on everyone's back. And you think that's that's what's pushing people away from rugby, maybe. You see it in, in pre, pre-match warm-up, pre-season warm-up, or even during the week, in the weekday trainings, and top-level, bottom-level, players fighting, yeah. physically fighting one another. Mm. During training sessions. You need the same, you know, same team. Same yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. So, a couple of teams that I've played for down, obviously, in the capital, people putting in shots on each other. And you think, hang on, even on a match day, you wouldn't get away with that. Why are you doing it? Neil did that when we trained with a team in Spain. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we, we met these people in a bar, and <laughs> next, so this was like on a Saturday, Friday or Saturday night, we were going to have a few drinks. And uh, this, is our, this is our Weight Watchers holiday. When I drinking, <laughs> when I drinking on Friday night, and then met these people, got chatting to them. Finally, they played rugby. Neil picked us up, obviously, as he normally does. Got some stash. Um, <laughs> Neil got did, some stash. Did they know you had the stash? Yeah, I had to swap oh. the t-shirt I was wearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, for the one that other guy wearing. Was wearing. It's a legitimate even... stash. Yeah. yeah, it's legit. Next thing you know, we're going training with them Tuesday night. <laughs> you were well up for it. I was up for it until yeah, I saw the, until I saw the pitch. It was just like gravel. Yes. Yeah. I had this in Bimini about, oh, 2003, 2004, I think it was. The um, amateur side I was with said we're going to go on a tour to Bimini. Where's Bimini, sorry? Uh, so this is going to be the east coast of Italy, northeast right, okay. coast of Italy. Yeah. We landed on the west coast. Right. <laughs> so we had to take a coach for a good three, four hours across Italy, not being allowed to stop. 15, 16, 17 year old lads going, literally, are we nearly there yet? Yeah. <laughs> But and the roads are delightful as well. Oh, oh. I think the bus driver was on a bet to see how fast it would take the corner and try and Italian job the corners. <laughs> and we had our first match against, I think it was Rimini or Florence or someone like that, um, sort of same level. And then the second match, they said, oh, you're going to be playing in Rimini itself, just on the outskirts. And we went there and it looked like they had emptied a quarry and then just sprayed white paint on it. <laughs> now, half of us said, yeah, we'll play it. We played concrete rugby as kids at school. Yeah. And literally, the referee turned and went, so this is the car park, where's the pitch? <laughs> Game was instantly called off. Really? Yeah. But out in Italy, in, in sort of Spain, and those sort of areas, because the game's more about having fun and less about how hard can you hit someone, yeah. look at the likes of Oriol Ripoll from 15, 16 years ago. Hardly ever took contact, but was speedy and fast, because if that's the like state really, of their yeah. pitch, I wouldn't want to hit the floor either. <laughs> so yeah, so basically we turn up to this training, which I thought was just going to be a big game of touch. Yeah. Which is how it was sort of pitched to me, and it turned out it was definitely not a game of touch. Probably the hardest fitness session I've ever done. Um, I wouldn't have about that in, still. In the, in the heat, and then they just finished with some unopposed. Um, so me and Neil had a few run ins at the centre, and then we swapped, so we went on the backs. And this, bear in mind, this bloke already had like support on his wrist. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> That's an Neil got <laughs> Neil got straight on the bag, and this bloke caught, caught the ball unopposed. And just boshed him. <laughs> well, I don't want to make it too easy for him, do I? Three weeks later, 
we obviously had we got one on Facebook. <laughs> we see a photo of him on Facebook, and he's got like a full cast. On <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. I don't think it, I was his favourite player. No, but no. Shout out to the Cross Cobras. Yeah, lovely Good. team. Good well, no, boys. We will be back, lads. That was just obviously part of social chat. There was no animosity. It no. was just part of the game. Yeah, 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 and it was a nice place to be. But the problem we've got at the moment is probably the bottom level. They're still fighting. Yeah. yeah. And there's still hatred because there isn't a place to talk. Um, and I'm not saying have a sit down, hold hands, but there should be a safe place for every club to be able to go, do you know what? Let's have a chat. Let's be yeah. teammates. Let's see yeah. what we can do to make our lives a bit easier. Because yeah. if you're training 7 a.m. to 11 a.m., then you've got a bit of a break and we'll have uh, weights in the afternoon. So you see each other five hours a day. Yeah. You then have your Thursdays off, your captain's run on Friday, where it's a bit higher intensity, but you still don't want to put it in in case you injury for Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, you play your game Saturday, mm-hmm. half past five, or the stick room, the car going home. And that's it. Yeah. So what is quite an important part of your life, at any level, 20 hours, 30 hours, is top or bottom level, but there's nothing else there. Yeah. So that's where the drinking culture sticks around. That's where the going out for curry comes about. We use those times, I think, to talk. Yeah. yeah, and that's what the Dodgers have been doing. When I came down to watch you guys at the Mendon Center, yeah, yeah, the Mendon Center, yeah, you guys had this wonderful thing where you weren't playing the game, and it was nice to see the sevens tournament going on and taking it seriously. And some teams the, taking it far too seriously. Yes, the, uh, no names, the rugby league team. Big up the rugby league team year. from the local university, <laughs> trying to put in headshots because yeah. it's league. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, you guys still had chatter. Yeah, and. Obviously, the banter was there. Rugby, as you said, it will always be there. Yeah. And it's nice to see that it hasn't been forgotten. Even yeah. when you're getting a hiding, you're still having a laugh and a joke. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very, we need to make it very clear. We're not trying to take out banter. We're not trying to, you know, constructive banter and, and a bit of mixing because that will always be in rugby. Oh, but yeah. it's taking the malicious out of it. It's about maybe having a joke and a laugh with your mate, you know, going, you know, having a go at him in a nice way, but then taking him to one side and saying, look, no, seriously, though, he's everything okay, you know, yeah. in chat. And it's about bringing in that culture. I think not only in, in sport, not only in rugby, I think there's a massive, massive culture of it now in rugby. So I think it's brilliant. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, and it's not just not just like people like ourselves promoted it, but premiership teams. I mean, we talk about uh, mental health. I went to the, the Be Kind game last night at Kingdom. Uh, obviously, Danny Cipriani was, was heavily supported with and, and, and heavily involved with because of obviously the sad news of what happened with, with Caroline Flack and obviously their past. Um, but it was brilliant. The atmosphere at the ground was different. Like, yeah. Generally, was different. Everyone was there to promote the message to not only watch Gloucester play and unfortunately lose. Uh, you might be a Gloucester fan, uh, <laughs> but By the accent. But you know, even at half time, there was message. You know, it's okay not to be okay. You need to talk. There were Samaritans messages coming up, and it's just. I think it's fantastic now that everyone in the rugby community is talking about it. Yeah. See, that's that's wonderful. I think it's great, but I think it's also a shame that. Is taken the events. Well, this is it. Look what it has taken. Yeah. now come about and be talked well, about. Last yeah. season, we lost three professional players to suicide. Mm. And very quickly, it's got under the rug. season before that, we lost players to suicide. Yeah. It's got under the rug. I don't want to see any more. I don't want to see any more in this news that at any level, 16 year old didn't get picked because coach said you're too fat. Goes home and commit suicide. Professional rugby players suddenly. Actually, the income is not there. Or they've got a problem with their income, so therefore they can't cope with their wife, their kids. So they take the option as well. Yeah. This can be stopped and should be stopped. And it, it, 
it's it shouldn't have taken what has taken. You're right. Yeah, you're right. But I mean, now let's make it the point where we can. Right now, it's the start. Yeah, we need to move on from this and prevent this from happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And build and build pre- preventative steps that will catch things like this happening. Um, not only in sport but in life. You know, there's, there's certain things that um, they do promote. You know, and they they kick these things into action. And it is a terrible tragedy that, that something like the the, the past of Caroline Black has. has, has Keep this interaction, yeah. I'm trying to not to sound well, it's a, it's a good catalyst, but it's so. a good catalyst, and I'm not I'm not saying it's a good thing in any way whatsoever. It's absolutely terrible what's happened, but I think Caroline Black genuinely would be looking down on this, right, and and and, and be pleased that it's actually made people react and made people yeah. switch on more to it. Well, but they're, they're looking at discussing it in Parliament. Yeah, how how social media affects mental health, how the press affects mental health. Massively. And Massively. Yeah. There was a discussion, I think it was Thursday at Parliament, they were discussing how um, social media is affecting the mental health of Oh, you know. There were twelve year old girls deleting Instagram posts because yeah. they didn't get enough likes for that. Yeah. So they start sexualizing mm-hmm. their posts to get more and you think, hang on, no, be a kid, you're a kid, stay as a kid. Yeah. yeah. But then again, I'm, they're going down the female route. There's the male side of it. Yeah. How many men nowadays look at love? I hate show Love Island. I don't watch it. No, refuse to. Won't see it. It's it's yeah. it's dross. It really is. But people think that's the ideal body for a man. Yeah, they must have this. Must have that. Now I'm bold in old and fat. So right. <laughs> really, <laughs> <laughs> it's a wide parting. Right. But I can change that. But yeah. it's about being happy with myself. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I was in a bad place, trying to do something stupid. And I had people there to pick me up. I was very lucky to have people there, metaphorically and physically, pick me up yeah. and say, right, you know what? You've got your knowledge to train. Go and do it. You've got your knowledge to eat. Go and do it. And I'm going to come see you once. I made a bit of time. Come and see me once a week and check in. Yeah. Sometimes it was a harsh conversation. Sometimes it was quite a nice conversation. But it changed my outlook on how I felt internally. Yeah. So I was one of the lucky ones. But there aren't those people out there. So if this is it, as you say, the catalyst, mm. if people are going in Parliament and actually need to discuss what's out there for men, what's out there for women, is there enough support? Do people realise there's not a stigma attached to mental health? It's not a, a bad thing anymore. Mm. It's not the 40s and 50s where if you had a mental health complaint, they stuck you in a room behind a locked door. Yeah. Yeah. Do people realise that now we're in a world where actually... We have to realize that people are confused about their identity, their sexuality, that everything in this world is hard. Yeah. Everyone's fighting their own battles that we don't see. So are people aware of what's out there? And I think last night was a big step towards it in the rugby community. Yeah. <laughs> but it will resonate because last night it was mentioned on other things that were not related to rugby. That a rugby game was based around mental health. Yeah, well, it wasn't based around it. No. But it was supported it and, and promoting exactly it. Exactly. Yeah. Talking about it. Yeah. And it was a wonderful thing to watch. I don't know if you saw any of the pictures, but they all had the pine on the back yes, of the shirt. Yes, not names. And, all that and the warm-up t-shirts had Samaritans on. Yeah, yeah. Nice I think, yeah. Little things like that. The printing costs pennies, but actually the impact it makes oh, yeah. can so, be huge. Well, I mean, I'm uh, probably a lot of you guys do. I follow Gloucester on, on social media. So that's the fan. Someone's got to, yeah. It, it's not the, directly because of you know, to account of the what with Caroline Flack, but it's great to see Gloucester, and I'm sure other clubs are doing it, reaching out, doing like little question and answer sessions on, on social media, 
they do um, like a would I lie to you section, yes, um, yeah. where they tell two two lies and a truth, you know that sort of thing. I saw that um, I think it was Dawn who was going to uh, visit the Samaritans in the day, see what yeah, they yeah. do. Um, and as I say, I know Gloucester aren't you know the only team doing it, but if I'm just seeing that from Gloucester, and if other teams are doing the same sort of thing, then this is just going to snowball and snowball. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And if we can play the tiniest, tiniest part in bringing this through on a social media level. Or even just when we go to tournaments, you know, people talking, oh, salad dodgers, you know. <laughs> we used to be the salad dodgers. I'm still trying to get out of there. The dodgers, you know, it's, it's, yeah. they're here to promote mental health. Well, we've had, we, we talk every other day almost on the phone. And yeah. I've had upgrade ideas like, we're going to bring a blow up sofa and just chat to teams, you know, at the tournament. And I think that's talk about mental health. I take the sofa with her. I genuinely think that's a great idea. Yeah. Interview every captain for the team, the tournament runner, you know, and just keep that. Snowball effect going because I mean, people that haven't been following us or, or, or don't know about some of the Dodgers. Jeez, can we find Dodgers? Yeah, yeah, twice they were really worried about me having a microphone. Oh I've done quite well so far. Sorry um, about this. So, about the Dodgers, yeah, um, and promoted promote it more. Uh, <laughs> not been drinking, I promise. We've not been drinking, not yet. Anyway. Please come back. <laughs> but no, I think yeah. that's pretty. It's less of a snowball and more of a ripple. Yes. I think this is it. We are now about dropping that ocean. Yeah, I think because it's... Because each captain... Because you've come to me. Yeah. You've messaged me in the week and actually, don't know how you've known it, but you've messaged me and gone, never right. Yeah. And it's I think just, it's just everything is so... Like, social media is sort of like, you know, I've got you all on Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, got your WhatsApps. I've got your Don't blame you. Um, you know, it's so accessible. You know... You look on Snapchat map, I can see where he is. That's how this has all come about, you know. Everything's so accessible on social media. But that's where this is spawned from because yeah. back in the day, to be criticised publicly, it'd be on the news or the paper or on TV. But now everyone has access to millions of people all around the world who can just send messages and say what they like freely. Yeah. yeah. Well, you annoyed a couple of premiership rugby players in the past. And got yeah. Well, with, your, I've, with your I've, outspoken opinions. I've called out teammates of other teams. Mm. And just sort of said, have you, have you been proud of yourself? Are you happy with what you've done? Yeah. And you've seen things like um, pre-season trending, so if you want to wouldn't stop for autographs. Now, the more important thing So I've, uh, I've used social media, unfortunately. And I haven't sworn, but I've gone down with, do you understand they're paying our wages, firstly? Yeah. Secondly, do you understand that once we're done, we're forgotten? Yeah. yeah. Um, and thirdly, that's the future of your club. If there's a kid there waiting for the autograph sign... And, and you don't, he just thinks, oh, you know, yeah, he's not the guy I, I still know. remember my first experience at rugby was at the Hampton Saints. And Sorry about that. <laughs> You're right. It was <laughs> September, <laughs> what a chat. No, it was September 4th, 1991. Remember it to the moment. And Must have been a bad day. I wasn't, even, <laughs> I wasn't even born in 1991. <laughs> oh, God, you've been a low blow there. <laughs> and I remember the old main stand, the white seats at the bottom, and everything goes, and my dad took me along going, well, I've got two seats. His brother didn't want it. I'll take him along. Yeah. And that was literally, that was it. Uh, I was taken down to the front of the stands, and as soon as the final whistle went, straight onto the pitch, as everyone did. Yeah. And I got lost. And I'm this four or five-year-old kid going, uh, and I can remember this to the day, and I will always owe him a debt of gratitude. Harvey Thornicock grabbed me. Yeah. And now Harvey Thornicock was a back who... I watched make a tackle, get up, and then rearrange his hair to look smart. Uh, that's what normal back does. <laughs> his yeah. got up. It's any gel. Um, and he got up, and he grabbed me and said, anybody's. And he kept me on his shoulders and found my dad. 
Now, this was, what, 20 odd years ago now, 27 years, years ago. And it made such an impact on me. It sticks with you still, still to this day. To this day, yeah. And to me, that was it. This is my club, this is my sport, and they were gentlemen. Yeah. And you look at it now and you realise social media has had an important part in society moving forwards, but these players need to realise that everything they do is scrutinised. Oh, yeah. And people will come for it, whether you've done good or bad. I mean, they, they absolutely rinsed Ben Young's after his, not the most recent England game, the one before that. Yeah, I thought he was best, better, not better well, last game. Yeah. He, he yeah. shut down his social media for a couple of days. Right? Yeah, yeah. Now that's not on. I think you're entitled to have your opinion based Some on his practice and stuff. Yeah. You know, you need to get that, you know, everyone's entitled to opinion, but you can't just go and turn around just tweet, oh yeah, your shit. Yeah. Or, on, on what grounds have you got to say your shit will I pay your wages? Exactly. Doesn't yeah. work that way. No. That's exactly. Because yeah. in that case, that means your boss, your boss, your boss could go, Today you were shit. Have a nice day. Sometimes he does. Sorry, Chris, I'm only joking. <laughs> but no, this was it. A faceless assault is what it was. Yeah. Um, but you see in the papers as well. And you read in, in the papers, whether it's the rugby paper, whether it's Daily Mail, Daily Sport, or other garbage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You, you get, oh, this person was awful, this person did that, this person did that. Yeah. And they write without any sort of forethought of what they're saying. They believe we can say this because it's our, it's our column to say it. But, but, say, less than a year ago, they would get away with it. Yes, they would. And that is what's causing a lot of the issues, is that you've got all these keyboard warriors who think they can say exactly what they want, and they have got away with it. But I, I think it's great to see now they are bringing in the title off there. Well, this with, is it. With, you know, the internet so came about to bring the world together. Yeah. yeah. So Tim Berners-Lee put it so we could talk across the world. Mm-hmm. And people are using it. Oh, I thought you were awful. Yeah, but you wouldn't walk down the street behind someone saying it, would you? No. no. If you, yeah, you know, people don't. People say some outrageous things that never things even say in front of people. Yeah. But you know, you can just make any account on any social media, and you're well, on there. You're anonymous. You hit the nail on the head because you said uh, you wouldn't say. Or you just said, well, you wouldn't say. Yeah. And the golden rule is on social media: you wouldn't say it to the person's face, and don't say it. One of the big stars right now who has talked about his mental health, but also does talk face to face as he does on social media, is Tyson Fury. Yeah. yeah. Now let's let's be honest. He he has no objections to saying to your face what he puts on social media. Hundred percent. Yeah. Massive respect for that. Mm. But he's also a big advocate for saying, "Well, actually, my mental health suffered massively." Yeah. I went through substance abuse, went through drink abuse, food abuse as well, mm-hmm. which everyone seems to forget is, in a, is a form of abuse as well. Yeah. Hiding yourself behind food. And he's come out with the side of it. Yeah. But now he's talking about it. Yeah, you watch his documentary? I haven't yet. Oh, no, I need to see it. ITV, watch it. But there is this whole Other thing. Other channels are available. <laughs> there is this whole thing about him discussing mental yeah. health, that he can do it. Yeah. Um, Johnny Wilkinson, a good few years ago now, discussed his mental health problems. Yeah. Walking away from the game and realizing, which I've been doing on my Snap stories, um, identity. And when you remove someone's identity, because that's what they were told they were going to do, how does their mental health get affected? Yeah. Well, I heard somewhere, I don't know how true it is, that he has gone on record saying that he wishes he never did that drop roll, because that is that's really what he I heard something, I heard I something like that. he thought when he won the World Cup, it was great. But yeah. then he, in his head, he peaked 
Yes, there was yeah. like nothing yeah, else to it. do because he'll never do anything in his mind. Yeah, any, anything greater than that. Greater. Yeah, well, yeah. he's he's been on record saying, <coughs> I, I, "I didn't win the World Cup. I was just a cog in a machine." But I was there to make the kick that twenty-three other players on that day made possible. Yeah, and then four years later, if South Africa hadn't cheated and, and won the World Cup through cheating, <laughs> he'd have won it again. But yeah. he's, he said it wasn't the same feeling. He felt like he was doing the job. Yeah, he wasn't doing a passion. Yeah. Would you find that? I mean, I, I I've always been an amateur player. You know, um, I've never played very much. Thankfully, but I've often thought. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love to be paid to play rugby, but I often thought the moment you start getting paid, the little bit of the fun goes. Yes, Do you know what I mean. And 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 you think, like you just said, you know, oh, I'm not here to have a run around with my mates and have a few drinks. It's oh, I've got to go to work. You know what I mean? And, and for me, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I wouldn't then turn it down through morals. Uh, but <laughs> we'll uh, rip that lucrative Dodgers contract up. Oh, oh, oh. It's, a, it's a green man, sorry. Uh, I, I heard a kilo of Dolly mixtures every night. Uh, yeah. Just the blue ones. Just the blue ones. Yeah. 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 I think this is it. Everyone, there's that cliche, if you get paid to do something you love and you're not going to do your work. I've worked in jobs, I'm sure we've all worked in jobs where we've gone, just get to the end of the day, just get paid. But we've also worked in jobs, and I know I have especially, where I've gone... I could literally do the 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Yeah. I'd do it for free if someone paid my bills. Yeah. And you find, actually, I'm enjoying this. And people around you bounce off of that. Mm. And when it comes to rugby, I think it's more than just what's in your paycheck at the end of each month. There is that mentality of, I've been in clubs for a month, and I've gone, can I leave? And a, a, a club, not in this county, but in the yeah. neighbouring county, I was at for about 10, 10 weeks. Right. You're there four nights, and it was nights at the time, four nights a week, and you're going, well, I've got to leave before rush hour, because if I leave an hour and a half before, I hit rush hour, so I'm going to be late, so therefore they just didn't come that night. So suddenly you're leaving at sort of half four in the afternoon, so you've got everything packed and ready to go by four. So you're knock on effect for what you're doing, and then there was no cultural enjoyment whatsoever. And there was no way I go. And I landed up at nothing, and if it wasn't for injury, it doesn't matter, I ever left. I'm going to say bin, it's a bit of bin juice. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. But I spent five years up there and I loved it. Yeah. I actually commuted. I took the bus, took the train, and then walked from the train station to a training ground in Ginwood. And I loved it. And I loved it every single second of that day. And I enjoyed even things like I can still remember the name of the barista that sold me a coffee. I one of these chocolate filled um, sponge cakes. Is it Steve? No, her name, Alan? her name was Santa. Oh, I wonder why you can remember. <laughs> her name was Santa. And her I name was Santa. Her name was Santa. It was a short There's a joke, insert joke here. No, no, no. no. <laughs> no I, I don't know how many times a year she came. I don't know. <laughs> I was uh, trying to <laughs> But even down to that, I enjoyed the train journey home. Yeah. And it was little things like that and memories that I invoked because... To this day, I will always remember my mates, and one of them, two seasons after I joined, went off to Australia. He's still out in Australia now, and he messaged me the other day to say, how are things, how are you doing, are you coming out here, do you need this contact, that contact? I've not been near that club in for at least 10 years, it's not long ago, to play for. When they opened the beer keller, up north, in the beer bar, they sent me five tickets and said, come along, bring your mates, have a, have a laugh, have a riot. And yeah, that, that culture they bred way back then yeah. has created players, and some of the players from that particular team are now in the Premiership. 
So that's another stick in the core for the RFU, saying the championship doesn't have development grounds and shouldn't have the funding it deserves. Well, actually, look at the likes of Ollie Dodge and those sort of things. They've come through the championship. They've won. Yeah. This was my point. And I mean, if, if you're going to cut the, the funding, yeah. you're going to cut the funding for the championship, then surely the premiership's happening. Surely. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. if the championship can't, you know, fund the players or get the players they want and then fund the club as they want, you're not going to get the to and fro, they're not going to get the, the best of the best in the premiership. No. You know, there is a trickle down there. Yeah. yeah. It will dilute all the leagues effectively. Yeah. It may even affect the going to grassroots level because well, it will. It will. Because you've got England County, which are made up of England qualified and England suitable players below National One. So if you're playing that one, Rosman Park, or those sort of levels, Cambridge, you can play for England County when you go into the Richmond. Places like that. And you get to that Rosamund chest, which is, you'd do it for free. You yeah. would. You'd do it for free. I think I think people should. And that's another but, subject. We could talk about that for hours. But generally... I am still of that ill. ill. Yeah. If you play for your country, you're not doing it for the money. You're doing you're it for the And the cap. And then the argument is that you're risking getting injured. So that's a, yeah, that's another topic yeah. debate. Yeah. That's what we could talk about all day. That, that knock-on effect of the RFU taking money, again, it will tie back into mental health. Mm-hmm. These players, um, in particular London Scottish, we'll mention them because they mentioned it very recently in the press. Yeah that they're cutting their team to a part-time team. Um, and that's going to have detrimental effects on players financially, which will in turn affect mentally. Their identity will be affected. But then you look at the likes of Richmond, who last year got relegated from the championship. Yeah. They're fully amateur. But the season before that, and the season before that, they were in good contention in the mid-tables. Yeah. And I can only think, yeah, if you looked at it and said, well, if they can do it, the difference is Richmond players, most of them, if not all of them, were based in City, yeah. had lucrative City careers, yeah. so therefore there was not that, yeah. I must go to work, they could go, I can't make it, but then Richmond have got a squad of 40, 50, 60, can go, that's okay, we've got cover, because yeah. we are amateur. Um, the RFU had, had, obviously what we are saying about funding being cut, last year I was at the AGM for England students, and first thing they brought up, we've had our funding cuts. But that must have a knock on effect, to, to hear that, it's like in other forms of life. You hear negativity, it promotes negativity. Yes. You know, that's the first thing they tell people. Then the murmurings are going to happen between the students. Or they're going to cut the funding and I can't afford to play and all this and all this. You know, and it's just going to, like it would on a positive way, similarly on the negative way, it's going to snowball. Which is it. Are you going to risk your degree? Let's be honest, the students that are going to university, their first and foremost, most of them are going to get a degree to change their styles. They're not going to university to stop growing up, unless you're doing degree in dance. <laughs> um, <laughs> but those who are going to uni, they get told, actually, do you know what? You're now playing in the Bucks Premier League. You've got to play for English students. So you go to that camp, and there's 50, 60 of them, you get really down, you down. Suddenly, there's 20, 60 of them, you're getting told, you're going to play in the student Six Nations. Yeah. Wow. That, that's, you can see your career suddenly panning out ahead yeah, of you, yeah, yeah. even if you didn't plan for it. And then they get told there's no funding. So suddenly the students have got to go and find sponsors. So the dad's got to help with those for the other strategies. Exactly. Yeah. Suddenly you have to go, like, training facilities, Bristol Bath, I think it was Bristol Bath, and then one in the middle of the somewhere. Yeah. Well, they're not close. Well, well, well this, this is it. Quite close to me. If you're in Northern, <laughs> or if you're playing for Hartley College or someone like that, yeah. Yeah. then you're set. Yeah. Um, but someone like in Northampton, Northampton don't play in the top leagues. 
They will do eventually, and they've got a great setup going on right now, and they are themselves working on their mental health of their players. Yeah. But the rugby league side, and the Pampa Uni, is top level. And one of their players has been picked for Welsh students, yet he has to go to Warrington for training from Northampton. So suddenly, he's out there, cap in hand, yeah. and he's training to be a nurse. So it's not as if he can afford the time away. Yeah. So now he is actively looking at getting mental health help yeah. because he's trying to juggle all this going on. And I, I dread to think that possibly rugby could be dropped. Yeah. This is a young man who's now only playing for Welsh students, and Welsh students do get looked at by Division One rugby league school. He could miss out on the game, and the game could miss out on him because his mental health is not being maintained. Yeah. Because the softer side of the sport again, doesn't have the funding to look after its players. And I know it's not all about it, but you've got to look at who's getting paid what. Yeah. And they look happy. That's another subject as well. Uh, quite a recent one, obviously. Yes. Another episode. <laughs> another episode. <laughs> Don't know if it's uh, been in the news. <laughs> but if you look at some of the people that are doing all the work for the team, if you look at the directors, you look at the secretaries, the team managers, people like that, and you can see them going, well, they're clocking 40 hours a week. But we're actually in 50 or 60 and they're only getting paid for something there. And they're struggling now as well. Yeah. Their mental health is something, which means the player's mental health is something, the family's mental health. Yeah. And it does have that, as you said, that little effect. Yeah, yeah. So we need to look at it in as much as what is being done, and I'm not saying a, a revolution a la Will Carlin in the 90s, but I definitely think something needs to address as to how can a board sit there making decisions which has bigger impacts on the players. I mean, what's the, what's the average age of that board? I think the average age of the board probably sits at 58. Right. So they Which, haven't played in the professional game. Yeah. Now, I may be wrong on that. Obviously, I'm sure some will be able to tell us there are youngsters involved. I say youngsters, 30s, 40s involved in the board. Mm-hmm. But as I've just covered firsthand, they don't listen to you. They don't listen to you. And those, I mean, obviously, Bill Bone wants to connect well to rugby now. Good luck to him. He's been a good stalwart for the, for the game. Great on question of sport as well. Fantastic on question of sure sport. Showing my, sure my age. Yes. Do you yeah. question of sport? No, no. Do you know what question of sport is? Do you... uh, yeah, it's a <laughs> quiz, isn't it? Yeah. Um, With Phil uh, Tuffler. That's it. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, yeah. on it now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he hasn't played the game since... 18? Yeah. yeah. And we now need to look at who's going into the position. Is it the old boys club still? The likes of Leicester Bar those sorts of clubs controlling it or is it now more open and are people going into those positions more aware of what's going on the uh, Rugby Players Association does have set up for players mental health their yeah. education their welfare but it shouldn't be down to an external organisation yeah, it should be parcel all of our employers now whether you're a professional sportsman whether you're a bricky a chippy whether McDonald's wherever it is have that duty of care to look after you even if you're a pub waitress or waiter or barman which I'm sure all of us in our time will have done yeah they have the duty to look at you and go oh, I'm feeling a bit flat today what can we do and if it is just as simple as a bit hungry or do you want to sleep or, yeah fine but if it's four or five days in a row why is it being ignored because we can tell you why right and this is probably an unpopular opinion the reason it's being annoying is it's easy to ignore it exactly the easy thing to do is to just think nothing's happening nothing's going on he's fine He's fine, she's fine. It's like Tyson Fury, you know, you're not, you can't see it. You haven't got a crutch, you're not in a wheelchair, yeah, exactly. you haven't got a sling on, mm-hmm. you can't see it, so it's easy to ignore. That's exactly why. Yeah. yeah. And that's, once again, bringing it full circle, is exactly why we're trying to, trying to do this. I mean, yeah. 
99.9% of our team um, and support and fan base, which, you know, limited fan base we do have. So fan base. Fan base. Shout out to uh, the one fan we have. The Willows. That's what all of your fans are. The Willows. The Willows. The Willows. But yeah, bringing it full circuit, that's what we're, we're trying to do. Um, I, yeah, uh, really good point. Should right? we come on to our main discussion point this evening? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. PEDs. So, PEDs. Or First of all, can I just, Neil, what does PED stand for? Performance Enhancing Drug. There we go. He oh, didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I thought it was either drugs or druids. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it was a 50 50 top up. Yeah. yeah. Performance so. Enhancing Wiccans. Yes. <laughs> so, are they right? Right, Accessible. so why are the players taken? Performance enhancing drugs. Let's actually discuss it firstly as a social issue, and then we'll start narrowing it down into the rugby issue. Performance enhancing drugs come under a, uh, the big umbrella of steroids, whether it's cortical, whether it's anabolic, or cortical used to help mathematics, like that, anabolic. Call it as it is, it's a muscle builder, it's a leaner, it's an agent which is injected or orally taken into the system to aid body's growth, development, or whatever. Now, they start at the low level, you're looking at things like ephedrine, which can be used as a, a nasal inhibitor. So even like the nasal uh, spray, got a cold. They yeah. have it in it. Yeah. But then you can buy ephedrine in tablets. You can buy clenbutrol in tablet form. Yeah. Which, you've got maybe the diet pills that have got Yes, yeah. and clenbutrol and yeah. massive things like I that. Know. I've uh, done his research. Yeah. But the thing is, this is it. Even if you didn't know what was in it, you take one of those and you go, I feel amazing. Yeah. So you get this energy level. You don't feel hungry as much. You don't. So suddenly you started on that particular line. Yeah. And you go, well, I need a buzz again. So you do start looking as to, well, what was in this that caused me to do this, this, and yeah. And suddenly you are getting ethylene and clenbuterol, which are heavy things to take with. The side effects can be huge, the jitters and things like that. But you can go into any gym. And I, I will stake my life at any gym you walk into in the next 24 hours, if you go, anyone that can get me this, they'll literally go, him, him, him. The bloke will open his coat, they'll be like, all different yeah, types of things. Joking aside. Clothes, Dom. Get your mind out of gutter for a minute. Joking aside, they might even say to themselves, tell you what, come to change room in 10 minutes, what you are. Yeah. And it can be as, as right as that. Tell you who can do that. Me. I don't have a gym membership. Yeah, go to the gym. He's looking spelt without it. I have to stand at the reception. Um, you look at so you've got body dysmorphia, which is a, another mental health issue that needs to be addressed. But you have is that sorry to interject there, but can that go both ways? Yes. So you can think that you're really fat, or you can think that your muscles are too small, and it's it can be either way. So can't it? Like, you get anorexia nervosa, you get bulimia nervosa, which. Everyone seems to go is a, a ladies' thing, but yeah. it's not. Men suffer from it too, especially those who have to find weight categories, boxes, pairs, etc. Yeah. Um, just check their teeth if they're wrecked, you know what's going on. Um, but yeah, bigorexia, and this, this is a thing. Or you know, you're looking in the mirror and you see a fat man, what well, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when you are in shape, you see what you don't want to see. Yeah. You see the fat, you don't see the gains, so you train harder. Yeah. And then you're still not getting the results. So then you speak to someone in the gym who seems to be in there every day, not sore, not recovering as long as you, and going, well, what? Yeah. And eventually you get to know them, and they go, well, I'm on testosterone, ethanate, propionate, cypionate, and try this, try that. And suddenly all these words that sound like Olympic athletes and, and Greek gods <laughs> come out of yeah. like the woodwork. Yeah. And 10, 12 years ago, 8 years ago, rugby was all about how big can we get it? 
Yeah. You had backs. Like myself, I was 18 stone, 7% body fat. <coughs> and sort of when, when you're putting those sort of sizes through your joints, there are issues with your joints. Yeah. In, I, I still contest that steroids are bad for you internally. Yeah. I contest that you don't live a healthy life because they're giving you to take yeah. by using health. But they put pressure on the joints to the state where the ligaments, the tendons can't take it and they snap it and shred. <laughs> what about the old adage that, I mean, I've never taken steroids. I never will. Uh, it's very Clearly. obvious I've never yeah. taken steroids, I think. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. Um, but, I mean, there's obviously the stereotypes of, uh, you know, get a small pecker or you, you know, your, your anger level goes absolutely through the roof. Now, surely that's got to have an impact on your mental health. If right. all of a sudden you're Mr. Angry... I think the mental health part comes from when you come off the steroids, isn't it? So, there are... I, I, I will happily admit I was on them. Right. I've never hidden this fact. I've always been... If anyone wants to talk to me about it, I'm always talking about it. I have used them, and I use them quite prolifically to, to gain size and strength. And when you're sort of doing 200 kilo bench for five sets of eight, and you sort of go, this is fun. Yeah. You don't realise that somebody else is looking at you going, how is he doing that? Yeah. And then they start looking. Because I wasn't training like a rugby player, I was training for bodybuilding. I, I have, and I still to this day, have Arnold Schwarzenegger's perfect form, inch-wise, chest, waist, bicep, thighs, everything else. And you sort of go, what am I chasing? Yeah. I will never be him, because you know, same height, genetics, you know, same origins, insertions of muscles, he yeah. has better hair than me. Move your career. All those <laughs> sort of things. <laughs> but, uh, you said about the mental health side of it, with certain steroids, you do get hypertrophy of the gonads, but your, your pecker, as you call it, does not shrink. Delicately put. That's a scientific thing. It, um, it does not shrink. Right. It, there's no muscles in there for it to shrink. Right. But what you can do is suffer from erectile dysfunction. Yeah. For any man, I'm sure that is a massive fear. Um, and so you start taking Viagra. So counteractive. And yeah. suddenly you're walking around punching holes in trees with it. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it's not normal. <laughs> I'm sure that's how you get ring donuts. But, um. More like polos. Wow. <laughs> but, you then, you then have that mental effect of going, am I cheating on my partner by faking? Because if they find out I'm actually having to take. Let's be honest, women have been faking it for years. I think well, it's, it's, I think it's 50, you know, 50 50. <laughs> um, do they feel as though I'm not attracted to? So then that starts to play on the mental. So then you hide the fact that you're taking them, but you don't want them to know that you're and taking them. It's and a then they then think, oh, hang on, why do we need to take the them? The yeah. rage you talk about, it's well documented in, in a lot of studies and journals that you get void rage. <laughs> I still will argue that those making those claims have never actually taken them. Right. Steroids are a mood enhancement. So if you are depressed, you're suicidal. If you're happy, then you're giddy. If you're angry, then you're apocalyptic. Easy for you to say. And people need to realise you're on them. Yeah. Because they need to understand, I'm not saying eggshells, but you might be there. You also need the education to know what you're taking, how you're taking it, because you could overdose like any other drug. But there is that demand to be bigger, to be faster, to be leaner. And you see some chaps don't try legs. They have this beautiful top half and cheeky little legs. You have some guys that live in it the rest of their life. But isn't that driven by, by human um, just just being competitive? Yeah, surely that's in our human nature. Well, I'm not I'm not condoning. No, like, no, no. But look yeah. at look at the the action heroes of the eighties. Yeah, Sylvester Stallone, um, 
Arnold Schwarzenegger, then Denzel Washington, and people like that. They were big. Yeah. They were muscular. And they were stars. As people have progressed, they've realized, I want that. And women have gone, I want that. Now, men hear this and go, right, they, they hear the news that well, dad, dad bods are attractive. A lot of men need to come from their situation to go, I'm happy with my skin. Because how many of us can honestly look in our mirror and go, okay. I'll be honest, for years, like up until the age, well, I think about two or three years ago, I hate watching the mirror. Like, I detest literally. And I used to think of myself and I don't know whether it's probably just walking or whatever like that. I mean, I always, I'm back to a weight I, I was at when I was happy playing rugby when I first started, 18, 19. I'm back to that weight now and I'm over the moon. Um, but I'm literally just not at all. Right. Well, there's a really good point, honest. Someone have to say my word for it. Someone jangling a, keys somewhere. Someone is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 something that it's pushed on you. Not just men, not you know, no, women, no, women about, and men. Yeah. Women have it in the magazines. Oh, look at this. She's wearing this. She looks perfect. And size zero model. Well, and look at stuff. look at what came off the off the press. They they got rid of nuts zoo FHM front page Maxim, three page three because Dom very sore women. About did not like to see that. It was oppressive to women. Yeah. So that's a stereotype in itself because some women Thank do. Thank you. Some women do. Yeah. Some use it as an inspiration. Okay? You look at the likes of the men's magazines that are out there and you have men's health magazine and they had people in there who admitted being airbrushed to go on the cover. all that. But then you look at Flex magazine which is a bodybuilder's magazine and you can see the progression from people who are V-shaped with big legs, big chest to Y shape because they've got skinny legs and a big chest to these X Men who are currently just massive. Legs are huge, chest are huge. You look at twenty four inch arms, thirty one inch thighs, and you think, where is the body shape now? It's about mass. You have Jonah Lomu, one of my favourite players of all time, yeah. as I'm sure most people around the world. He's do you know the size of one of his quads? Yes, thirty one inches. Thirty six. Thirty six was thirty six inches is my waist, right? <laughs> Fair yeah. play. He was skittling. I was watching the videos again the other day and when he first sort of emerged at the first World Cup, he, he was just skittling players, left, right and centre. And you've got to think, but that, surely he was questioned at that time, being that big. So, there was always rumours, but rumours were a dangerous thing. You yeah. look at the likes of uh, Lance Armstrong, with a different type of performance enhancing drug. Yeah. But he tied it, when he did his interview, he didn't seem to do anything wrong because why not? I'm providing for my wife, my kids, I'm promoting the sport. Yeah. He had convinced himself that everything was so important that he won and that he was at the top of his game that he had to do it. They're now looking at Mo Fowler. And I pray, I really pray that they are just going, uh, leave him alone. Yeah. Like El Carnitine, you can find it in Lucozades and, and other drinks. Yeah. If you drink enough of it, it's in your system. Yeah. But it was, it's another topic around morphia and everything else is I think it's called the Oregon system or something yeah. the Night Oregon oh, training Oregon Project Oregon Project yeah. thank you where they were picking world class athletes at 16 17 the NCAAs taking them to night and telling them right you can lose 5 kilos yeah. what's that got to do with, to do with sport what's, what's that got to do with my performance yeah. so these girls are dropping the weight and suddenly they're not winning but Nike are able to advertise the back of them look how freaking these girls are yeah. So you tell me what that's about. Is it about sport? So when it comes to rugby, and you're looking at these players, and Courtney Laws is a, is a monster, okay? But he's not the only one, but look at him. He puts in these shots which are timed to perfection, and he's honed that craft. 
He's worked effortlessly put in those shots, and they are. I mean, I wouldn't want to. I'd rather be hit by a bus than be hit by Portland. Well, this was yeah. it. We grew up at the same amateur club, and I remember watching him. And, and um, I'll give you his, his juice. Chris Powell was an amazing coach. Yeah, old scout at the old you scout. Know I was an old scout for it. Yes. Um, I moved to the ONs at 16, but <laughs> I was an old scout boy. And Chris Parr developed what he loves. And look at the, the man himself. He's a wonderful gentleman, but he is... The lovely hair. He's lovely. I'm jealous of that. I love everyone's hair. He hits like an absolute freight train. But other players who are now retired were not making those hits. And suddenly these 19, 20, 21-year-old players were getting bored and they were bigger. Fast, stronger, uh, like George North, six foot four, six foot three, something like that. Big, big wingers, and you've got front row players who are as fast as wingers. So we, yeah, and so the encouragement to be that bit stronger, that bit faster, that bit heavier, whatever, it, it pushes you. And you yeah. go, well, hang on a minute. The contracts are so fickle in this world, and the wages are not there. Yeah. And a good tight head prop, two hundred seventy grand a year, maybe in the Premiership. Yeah. An established tight head. Not a lot, because you're going to lose half of it. Yeah. So you're going to lose half your money. So suddenly you're 135 grand, which is a lot compared to, to most. But in professional sportsman terms. Professional sportsman terms, that's half a week's wage for Wayne Rooney. Yeah. And for the sake of one tackle, what born, it's over. Yeah. So if someone in production says that, you make you indestructible. Yeah, now, I, can I, see, I, can, I, I can see why I sat at one of my old clubs, and the RFU came in to do a talk to us. Pre-season about performance enhancing drugs. Yeah. They actually sent in the RFU drug tester, and you sort of sit there and go, mm, "I know him. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Don't look at me." And he asked everyone to close their eyes and say, "If I could give you a tablet right now, right now, which gave you the body beautiful, but also made you Premiership player, the player of your choice." You then went on and you played for England. You played for the Lions, but you died at fifty. Who would take it? My hand went straight up. Yeah. He said, open your eyes. And I was the only one with my hand up. And he turned to me and said, you're all liars. Yeah. Because you would. Yeah, yeah sure. If you, if you think you could get away with it, you would. But this was it. And it's the same as in playing sport itself. It's like, as a former back row player, you know, if you can cheat and get away with it, it's not cheating. It's called playing the ref. Correct. If you could, put an extra, uh, uh, with the old thing of put the first hit in, even if it's late. If the fly half's getting gobble, you make sure he knows about you're there. And the old 99 call from back in the day. That was, yeah, one of our favourites. Yeah, yeah, and you dealt with it as, yeah. a, as a team. If you were offside, you were going home with strike marks on your back, but you deliberately put yourself there to slow the game down. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's the same diving in soccer, but it's, it's up there. So if you can get away with it, yeah. I would say it is right. Push you, I think, yeah. I'm but not, isn't that the same in any sport? You know, if you look at a 100-metre runner from 100 years ago, compared to Usain Bolt, he's millions of... See, but is that because of technology? Is that, you know, uh, trade, new trainers, new, new technologies for bringing it down? Yeah, I'd say yeah. probably that's linked to equipment, new training, yeah. there, you know, new techniques. science, I, I have development. To, and I'll, I'll stipulate this is my personal opinion. It's attached to nobody else's. I believe he was on something. Who, who are we talking about now? Usain Bolt. Right, okay. Okay, this is my personal opinion. It is attached to nobody or nothing else. Yeah. But when you look at the likes of Johan Blake, who did not get his cycle right and got caught with it in his system, another Jamaican sprinter who was pushing Bolt all the way, yep. career's over. Yeah. 
Jamaica refused testers into their country in the off-season. That's uh, a red flag, but also the leaders on bolt. He is a tall man. Genetically, he should not be that fast. Look at the likes of Ben Johnson and Carl Lewis. Now, Ben Johnson became a beast because he was on the team. He admitted it afterwards. He was tested and he was found. But he was a beast. But look at the speeds he was putting in. Carl Lewis then beat him and claimed he was natural. But he now has health issues. So, yes, the technology has changed. Training, mental health, physical health, recovery. It has all been looked into it. And yes, a hundred years ago, when you see the likes of chariots of fire and everything, and then running leather and wool and yeah. everything else. Yes, those days. That was a film, Dom. I'm not running. I'm just running. Yeah, I've never, sorry, I've never seen the that. younger viewers. Uh, <laughs> we just uh, well, go into a, a leather leather armchair room, shall we, and just smoke some cigars. <laughs> like a good old days. <laughs> oh, well, I was in India. Um, <laughs> but nowadays, there is so much put onto these players, whether it's whether it's running in a circle, whether it's soccer, whether it's boxing, whether it's rugby, whatever. There's so much put on at an early age. I mean, I think it was in the press last year, I have to check my sources, I think it was last year or year before, level 7 Welsh rugby players, 17, 18-year-olds, have been banned for 7, 8 and life, having steroids in their system. So do you think the pressure on, obviously we've discussed the championship, well, obviously the cuts, everything around that, we've discussed PDs in the premiership. Do you think the pressure is higher on championship players because... You know, the money's not always there. They need to get picked, get paid, potentially. Yeah. You know. Um, you look at championship players, a few of them, even this weekend, are currently working the doors. Yeah. Because it, it, it's income for them, and it's at night, so they can play their game. Let's, let's do national one-on championships, tight spot, because the way the IFU has just done what it's done, or it not doing, or it keeps flip-flopping, make the decision, um, it's have a radiated reduction, or it's a full reduction financial support, which is ironic considering the millionaires of thousands about to drop down with a nice little parachute payment as well. Yeah. Um, I, I heard, sorry to interject again, but I heard they're not allowed, once again, this could be absolute bullshit crap, uh, but I've heard they're not allowed to come back to the premiership for two years. But no, because you have to you have to operate under the salary under cap the, the season before yeah. and the season you go you up. win it. Right. So they have to be under the salary cap for two but years. Probably why I did it into this year, so next season and then the season after. But, but am I right in saying there's no salary cap in the championship? There's yeah. no salary cap. So it suits them. It suits the Saracens to stay down and for the likes of Ray to stay down and go, do you know what? I'm going to buy the TV rights to the championship. But the it, players get rested. Yeah. The internationals can get picked from the championship so they spend more time with the elite squad. Suddenly... You, you look at it going, do you know what? I wouldn't mind doing that. Yeah. Easier game, you know, for the ex-premiership players. No, the thing is, if you ring fence the premiership, mm. which a lot of, I'm sure a lot of Kiwis and Australians listening in will go, well, we're ring fenced, and look, everyone's happy and playing mm. and everything else. You ring fence the premiership, the likes of Ealing in the championship who are there year in, year out. Mm. And this year, I, I would love to see it. I'd love to see them go up. I would. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't have the money to buy in be one of the 13 clubs. No, the same with uh, Cornish Pirates, isn't it? They used to win it they, year it, on year. Well, Bedford, before this up, down, up, down and playoffs, and, but they, they dumped the playoffs, by the way, because of the financial support from the RFU. Now that the financial support has dropped, the championship clubs are now meeting to discuss, let's bring back the playoffs. 
Yeah. Because Sky are paying more for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, Sonic, get what you can get. Yeah. But Bedford won it a couple of years and went, now nah, we're good. They knew they didn't have the ground. They weren't willing to put the money into it. I mean, we're good. We like it here. I, was, I, yeah. can't, I can't get my head around competing in the league to win. And, and then going, no, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What's the point? Yeah. But then, then <laughs> going back to Saracens, though, they're, in theory, happy enough, dropping down. No wage cut. They can carry on. They could stay there for 10 years if they yeah. wanted because they're getting paid for what they want. Yeah. They're yeah. still going to have the fan base. I don't think still, they will. Problem, I think they no, will. The problem they've got is the championship fan base averages five to seven thousand. Mm. So there's no money coming in from that. Um, I think the gate tickets from London Scottish barely covered the rent to Richmond this season. So there's that issue to contend with. Saracen will never be one of these clubs that just keep throwing money, keep throwing. Eventually you're going to go, this isn't worth it. Yeah. Plus the prestige of going on a premiership player. Yeah, yeah. And this is it. Do you, you want to play against the likes of Hartley College? And no, nothing wrong with Hartley College. I'm not not slating them. You say that they'll be they'll be up there in a couple of years. Look, right. at, look at Coventry. Yeah. If they're not in the top four, they're definitely in the top six at the moment. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But if you can say, well, actually, I'm, I'm playing against the best of the best. Next year's Tigers have signed one of the Blasting Metro's um, players. Mm-hmm. I'd get my left arm to be hit by. No, it's, no, it's, <laughs> yeah. it sounds yeah, yeah, dark, yeah. but yeah. when you had the, the two Alagi brothers, the, the load of them, five, six, and going through the ranks, to be able to say, do you know what, I, I put it against it, yeah. is a badge of honour, and it's something that you can live with. Yeah, I don't think Saris will stay. I think if Saris stay for two years, they won't come back up. They will make that conscious choice. Do you know what, stop it, we're now a championship club. But we're going to buy the championship. I think well, this is what will happen. Yeah, well, potentially, I can't see it. But, but, but if every other club's having a cut, and they've still got all these premiership players. Well, no, they're, they're, play, they're sending play players out on loan. Yeah, they're sending players out. They've sent out. two players out. Now, this is another issue. Yeah. They've sent two players out to Bristol on a 12-month loan who are then going to come back to Saracens. Yeah. Do you know what? I would I would laugh myself into the grave if they didn't get automatic promotion. I would, I'd just be done. Yeah. But they get thrown back up. Those players go back to Saracens. Yeah, same with Bart as well. I, I'm not being Spencer, welcome. But... Um, <laughs> I, I I don't want players coming to my club for a year, learning my calls, learning my ethos, yeah. and then disappearing again. Because yeah. that will leave a hole, plus the distrust, and again, let's tie it back in, the mental health of those players go, because whilst I'm putting 40 weeks a year into my career, risking injuries and everything else, you've, you've, for the loan loan. you've paid yeah. 28 weeks, but two holidays to Bermuda paid for, your house is paid for, yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. But, Going back to your question, the point on is the pressure there in the championship in the League of One players? Yeah. And it's also readily available for them because they have a life outside of the game Yeah, because they are semi-pro. So if someone can turn to you mid-table champions, you know what? You've been looked at as an outside centre you're rather lacking the footwork when you are lacking the size because at the end of the day, you're never going to get picked because of the size. You're going to get picked because of the skill. You don't hear of he was massive. You hear well, actually, he darts past it. Part. Look at Jason Robinson, Shane Williams. Were not big players, but their skill and ability kept them right up their game. The big, big boys don't get that. It's not about size, but it is about how you use your size, how you use your muscles, how you expose the power and pace. So, so there's no substitute for technique in any part of the game. This is it. Any part of it. But you can train to a certain level. I and mean, then if someone says to you, we, we will bring you in and you'll train with us and you'll be a guest at one of our academy games, and then there's a meeting after and they go, look, we, 
you want me to put this on or do this or do that, and maybe you've got a chance. You've got a very strong conscience to go, I'm going to make it happen. Now, if someone came up to me and said, look, Lord, at the moment I'm 23 stone, I'm not the heaviest I have been, but I am up there. I came off steroids and my body went into shock because I'm in culture. So I, I took nine, ten months to really get myself back into it mentally, physically, you know, training again. And it has had that effect on my physical health and my mental health because suddenly I, I'm not pushing weights over my head, but I want godly sort of numbers. We're not talking strong man figures, but we are talking bigger than, than most. 10, 15k. Yeah, but, yeah. but the sort of kind of beer over your head. Yeah. Um, I think it was sort of like 150 overhead. So numbers that if you drop, you, you yeah. make a hole in you on the floor. Yeah. Um, I'm now going back into it, and I know I won't be looking the same. Yeah. It's taken me this amount of time to realise that. But if I go back on the steroids, but then when you say, this is it. You've always got to come off of at some point. Do and you? I was always told, the quicker you build muscle, the quicker you leave it when you stop. Well, I went to I've taken 36 years to and not build even, any muscle. Well, I, I haven't <laughs> been near the gym. At all. No. Now, as someone who used to manage gyms and train people and train trainers, I'm actually now scared of going back into the gym because I know people who are working in gyms that I am members of who I train. Yeah. So my mind is telling me they're going to see you. No, yeah. And so, yeah, actually, the detrimental effect coming off the steroids incorrectly has had a major, major impact on my mental health, my social, my partner, everything has suffered because of it. But I'm now fixing myself. Yeah. And the Dodgers have helped that because I know the seven series coming up soon. I need to be in a certain shape, mentally, physically, play. I'm, 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 I'm lucky to be able to have done the courses that I've done to know when I've got mental health or issues yeah. like that. And I've got the character to go, do you know what? I need help. But many don't. Yeah. Many think they have to stick into it. Or in some cases, they hope they get caught, which is a horrible thing to say, but. If they What's get the mentality there, though? Why would they hope they get caught? What, for the attention? No, because their career hasn't gone the way they wanted it to. Right. They're not playing top-level rugby. They're playing Saturday afternoon rugby. They are getting 250, 300 for the match. Yeah. But they're having to set aside six hours and seven hours a day, which is the day they could be working. Yeah. Plus the cost of the steroids, plus the side effects, if they get it wrong, it is a big thing on their life. So they kind of want to go... Do you know what? I'm caught. So yeah. Yeah. I can walk away yeah, and say, this is it, I'm done. Yeah. But this is another reason why people take is the cost of testing. The cost of testing, like the last time I checked, was £360 per test per marker. So if someone comes to test for tri-test, something like that, don't take my life. Now, I'm not advocating taking steroids or drugs, but that will show up and you'll get a lighter band yeah. for a recreational yeah, drug when you go for that. Yeah. If you wanted a test for testosterone, cocaine, marijuana, something like that, you'd need to spend 15, 16, 100 pounds testing yeah. on a whim. And what if they all came back negative? You've got to tell your boss, the RFU or whatever, yeah, he was negative. Why did you spend 2,500, 3,000 pounds testing yeah. on a rumour? Yeah? yeah, so players take that chance. Yeah, and it used to be that if you were knocked unconscious, you weren't tested. So Premiership and Championship levels realised that actually they're the tester hits there, and they'd, yeah. they'd, they'd take a knock. But this is before the HIA came into yeah, yeah, yeah. everything else. They'd go and take a whack, and so they wouldn't get tested. But if you think about their mental health, 
have they lost control of who they are, the game, and why they're doing it? And then, if they do come around to what they're doing and why they're doing it, who they're doing it for, suddenly the knock-on impact is those kids and the next generation is looking at me, so therefore I have to maintain it. If I suddenly drop off of it and lose 10 kilos, I'm going to lose my own contract. And this is, this is, this is it. I, I personally don't believe steroids affect your mental health. Until you come off them. Until you come off them. Yeah. Or the external sources, the external locus that affect your life suddenly become a lot more important or effective on you. And we've got 16-year-olds now testing steroids. Their bodies haven't even developed yet. Their muscles haven't finished growing yet. You can look 20 before it stops. And yet they're going, I must inject why. Why must you inject you need big shoulders and big chest? Why? Because he has it. Yeah. Well, why has he got it? Well, he's on Instagram. Yeah, but how is that rugby? Yeah. And you look at the rugby players now, and let's take Tom Woods, lovely gent. He brought out his, his calendar this year for his testimonial. And those boys are in there. And you can see they've trained their bodies hard. They're in good shape. They're in good nick. But they are not bodybuilders. You look at the players from six, seven years ago, and they're retired now. You look at them and go, what? Hang on a minute. Something something wasn't right. Yeah. They were too ripped, too big. Um, there was one particular player who was in the tennis day who had to have his sleeves cut of his shirt. Oh, yeah, they're going to eat all Because his arms were that big. What benefit is that? Is that the same guy that to get specially made dumbbells for? Yes. Yeah. Well, surely you lose your mobility then? No. See, this is it. Yoga, Pilates, stretching, things like that. You can hide it. I, I used to have these massive bands, like resistance bands, yeah. mobility bands, but little all the way up to what looked like truck fan bands because I couldn't touch back my neck. I could not do that. So I learned using these bands yeah. to be better at doing my line out there. So suddenly my flexibility returned. So people stopped looking at me. It's just some lump. Yeah. Suddenly at 20 stone, 21 stone, you're touching your toes and you're four inches away from doing a box split and you're going, well, he can't be on gear because look, he can do that, he can do this. Yeah. So people, like any drug addict, smoker, alcoholic, they will find ways to do it. And that's another impact on your mental health because suddenly you're having to hide things from yourself, from your family, and you're being deceitful. Now, where does the trust stop? Because if your teammates suddenly go, what on earth are you doing? They're going to find out eventually if you have that close knit. Yeah. If they don't blow the whistle, are they as complicit as you? Yeah, well, I lose respect for them, I think. If, if, you know, you go into a match and you think, you look at your mate and think, what? You're blind today. But then the following week, you go in the change room just call the game and he's taking pills or he's taking free workout, even through, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's See, this is it. There's a draw behind the nutritionists and the SNC <coughs> coaches. Have to make sure everything they give you is silver standard, which means WADA and everyone else have assured it as it is a clear type. But creatine, for example, got to have five grams a day for a month for it to start having the effect on your system. But people will always want to push that a bit more. As you said before, it's about competition. And I'm not saying it's coming as it has been, and I'm sure the checks are a lot more stringent now than they were a few years ago. Yeah. It is down to the players to realise, actually, you know what? I'm not going to play in the Premiership, so I'm happy in the Championship. So work on yourself instead. Because then if they work on their selves, themselves, sorry, the players around them will start being attracted to And then they'll attract the bigger circle and the biggest. And suddenly you have, like the the Dodgers, this group, 50, 60 lads, who may not see each other every day, but have that ability to 
awkward and whatever, as if they were brothers. Yeah. So it's all about that individual health, and it starts internally. And yes, there will always be pressures to take performance-enhancing drugs in a championship, in the premiership. There always will be. Yeah. And I know everyone's going to say, oh, but you've got to have better morals than this, better morals than that. No. When it comes down to your livelihood, your enjoyment, your health, longevity in the sport, there's always going to be someone that offers you something. Yeah. But to sum it up, it's the mental health of the player that's more important than anything else. Mm -hmm. So the club, the friends, the family, the fans need to recognize this person's got a problem Mm -hmm. and we need to help them. And when they start talking, they might actually say to you, do you know what? I've started taking something. So the club can withdraw them for six or eight months until they're clean, but keep them on board. Mm. Punish them in-house, but keep them away from the pitch. Then talk to them about their mental health. Why did they do it? Yeah, and this is what... It's, it's all very well and good stopping them taking it, but if you don't address the situation as to why they took them in the first place, it's just going to crop back, back again. Yeah. Same with any drug. So this is, this is the likes yeah. of Dodgers being so good at what it does. Mm-hmm. It is talking about what's wrong. Yeah. Not just, okay, why are you taking drugs, but what's wrong? Why aren't you happy with this? Why aren't, what can we do? And not just asking once. No. Because if you can turn around, this, once again, social media is awesome, but at the same time can be really bad you yes, know, for people's yeah. mental health. But uh, I did see the thing where it was, um, there's two different types of questions you can ask someone. And one is, um, what was it? It was, are you okay? Yeah. And the other one is, how are you doing? Open so how are you doing? If I said to you, how are you doing, Dom? Even if you've had the worst day of your life, you know, your house has burnt down, your cat, you found has, out it was a pregnant has burnt whatever. down with it yeah, yeah burnt down with it or pregnant with the cat burnt it down I don't know I don't know what they're like in Northampton right but <laughs> you know you could have the worst day in the world but if, if someone says to you how are you doing the, the instinctive response is to like yeah I'm alright yeah fine yeah, yeah I'm alright but, if, but you, if you say are you okay that's a more direct question yeah that instantly gets to the point of well that's well, no I'm not mate you know, take I'm, this one forward then yeah instead of saying to someone are you okay ask them are you happy yeah, and look them in the eyes when you ask them, and actually say to them, "Are you happy?" Mm. They go, "Yeah, yeah, okay." Then thirty seconds later, just, "Are, are you, you sure? happy?" Yeah, yeah. Well, what, what makes you say that? You and there that. you go. That's, that's the, the opening, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that's what the Dodgers is offering. So, mm. people listening to this, watching this, moving forward from it, if the Dodgers are doing it, and they're doing it on a, a micro level, mm-hmm. then Gloucester are doing it on a macro level. We need to be doing this as a nation. Yeah. This needs to be huge. Mm -hmm. How are you? How's things? Go and talk to your dad. Mm -hmm. Hug your dad. If he's there still, you're lucky. Go and hug him. Because I tell you what, that's a good opening as well. But yeah, thank you very much for for having me. Thanks for coming on. Talking about performance enhancing drugs. On that lovely note, we'll uh, finish it there. Big thank you for everyone who's tuned in. Thank you, Lawrence, for your time. Neil, you obviously had nothing better to do. So thank you. (laughs) Just um, about like driving two and a half hours just for a chat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you'll be able Gotta to find the, <laughs> You can let me do this bit. Uh, so, yeah, you'll be able to find the podcast on all our social medias at Dodger Rugby or Dodger Rugby on Facebook. Um, big thank you to our partners, Sco and Security, ITS Recruitment, um, Pro Tyler Tools, uh, ESD Fitness, and DG Web Consultancies, and TikTok. And don't forget, Marshall in Men's Minds. Oh, Working yeah. Working closely Marshall with well, he'll be on an episode soon. Excellent. For sure. I believe the next one's in Gloucester. Yep, next podcast will be from Gloucester. Very 
well, now the number one pizza restaurant in Gloucestershire, Gloucester, I believe. Hooker and Eight, big show take. We yeah. expect a couple of free samples, obviously. <laughs> uh, but no, uh-huh. we are working on guests as well. Um, and obviously, with it being my, my neck of the woods, yeah. I'm uh, trying to lean on a few contacts and so, uh, yeah, get something sorted. Uh, yeah, we're all set. So yeah, thank you very much and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. A big thank you to all of our partners, Scone International, Pro Tyler Tools, ITS Construction, Ticta, Marshall Men's Minds and ESD Fitness.